Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer, and I'm very honored to have as my guest this week Tony Parsons. Welcome, Tony. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hi. Um, you know, Tony, uh, Jesus said something, you, as being an old Christian way back, you, you may remember about not being lukewarm. And uh, I must say that you don't seem to evoke lukewarm reactions from people. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah. One way or the other, yeah. I've been getting like, you know, some people come to my site and they say they come every day. Is the Tony Parsons interview up yet? And then other people are like, you know, there's this one guy who wanted to come on the week after you to rebut everything you said. And uh, I said, no, I don't think so. But, um, you know, and you yourself, you know, present your teaching as radical, uncompromising. You use adjectives like that. So, you know, you don't pussyfoot around. I don't know if that's a, a British expression, but it is yeah. over here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, and I appreciate that. So, I, you know, I, I approached this with a little bit of trepidation, um, but the more I read, um, mm. your, I read your, your book, All There Is, and I read every word on your website. I listened to hours of your audios. I read Dennis Waite's book. I read your rebuttal to Dennis Waite. Uh, yeah, I really did my homework on this one. You did. Yeah. You did. And I must say that, you know, I have some sticking points, but for the most part, I really appreciated all this. I, I really sort of um, felt a resonance with what you were saying, and yeah. I, I think I understand. I And I actually, I wanted to start this by making a little deal with you, which is if if you don't mind my using personal pronouns such as I and you, I promise not to ask any stupid questions like, hey, Tony, <laughs> Tony when did you get enlightened? You know? <laughs> yeah, no, good. <laughs> I, I use I and you. It's 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 an apparent I and an apparent you. Yeah, it's a little awkward trying to talk without using them, um, mm. and it's also well, a little, it's a little awkward trying to stick the word apparent before everything you say. You know, at a certain yeah. point you have to presume that that's what we're <laughs> that's the understanding. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, so perhaps intentionally, um, you don't have a, a bio on your book jacket, and you don't have a bio on your site. Um, and I think that perhaps points to the heart of your message, you know, and you can say it better than I, but I've heard you say it a thousand times that there really is no sort of entity in there that we would define as Tony Parsons. No, absolutely. And the story, the apparent story of Tony Parsons has no relevance to this message at all. Right. Because the apparent Tony Parsons uh, seemed to be there seeking something and then suddenly just collapsed. And there was nothing left. So what co this message comes out of that nothing. Yeah. And basically, uh, shall I just go through that? Yeah, please, go ahead. Uh, I, I may interject a question or two, but you just go ahead. Yeah, but, I mean, basically the message is, is simply saying that all there is is this. All there is is wholeness, mm -hmm. oneness. I like to call it boundless energy. Mm -hmm. Boundless energy is all there is, and it arises as everything there is and everything there isn't. And so uh, that boundless energy is immeasurable. It can't be tamed. It's wild and it's chaotic and it also appears to be ordered. And yeah. one of the things that it appears to be is a separate energy, a contracted energy that seems to happen uniquely to human beings. And, and in some way or other, uh, that sense of being separate begins a clock. A clock starts ticking and directly the separate energy is there, then the me story begins. And the story and me are both the same thing. Me can't exist without the story, and the story can't exist without me. And that all, all happens in a separate reality. And for the individual, it seems as though that reality is, is real. The whole idea that the person has free will and choice and... Uh, and uh, their uh, his uh, their lives has a purpose, and uh, that that story also includes cause and effect. All of those things arise, and all of those things seem real to the individual. And so the individual goes into what it thinks is the, its reality, but um, in some way or other, that reality can at times seem dissatisfying because, of course, the, the me is living in a separate reality. And so the me never sees a tree naturally, never sees the sky naturally, never has feelings in the natural way they are because all of those things are experienced through separation, as though 
those things arise through cling film. Aha. Uh-huh. Of course, the other thing... That cling film mean, meaning like a filter of some sort. Yeah, a filter. Yeah. Well, it's a separate filter. So the tree is somehow always an object out there. Everything else is an object because already the me has, has seemingly become uh, a something. Mm-hmm. So the me lives as though it is a real something and it lives in a world of real somethings. Everything that's real out there is something else that's happening to this real something here. Mm-hmm. And somewhere uh, there's a sense of dissatisfaction about that. It's, it feels unfulfilling to somehow live in this separate world. And so some people start to try and find an answer for that sense of dissatisfaction, and they go to teachers. But, of course, they have with them the belief uh, that, they, uh, that their free will and choice and, and, and uh, the way they can learn how to uh, find that fulfillment would be through their own choice and through their own action. And so they go to teachers who also speak within the dream story about personal enlightenment and the way that that can be attained. But, of course, what's happening all the time is that the me is living in a circular world, in a separate world, and those things that it experiences come and go because they are happening in a world of time only. They're just time-orientated happenings or experiences. So... The things that people learn from um, teachers like self-inquiry or meditation bring up experiences that come and go. They are transient experiences, and they never they, they never have any permanent or constant satisfaction about them. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the open secret basically is um, revealing that myth is revealing the myth of the me and the myth of the story. And it's pointing to the possibility that, that, that all of that is an illusion. That the whole story and the me is living in an illusory world which is circular, just with experiences coming and going, coming and going. And the strange thing is that what, what seems to be happening uh, when, that, when that is revealed, in meetings obviously usually, is that the whole sense of me, the whole idea that the me is real or the, the embodied sense that the me is real seems to crumble and the other thing that happens in the meetings and, and obviously this doesn't have to be at meetings this, this dropping away of the me can happen anywhere at any, any time but in the meetings it seems that somehow the contracted energy of the separate me uh, seems to melt back into the boundless energy of what is, and there yeah. is nothing that's left in uh, in that, and that's what I would call liberation. It's my term for liberation from the illusory imprisonment of being a me in a story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard you. I often heard you say um, that it's not so much what is said in the meetings, but there's sort of an energetic yeah. r- resonance or something that enables people to kind of entrain and yeah. and maybe drop into. As you yeah. just described. Yeah, because the other part of the meetings is that essentially starving, uh, seeking is starved. Mm. There's no agenda to please the seeker or give the seeker anything at all. In fact, I have to say that the seeker isn't even recognized as a seeker. Uh, the seeker is recognized as being in a dream story about seeking. Mm-hmm. And so that whole energy of feeding the need of the seeker drops away. And, and, and in a sense, that, that can be very powerful. Uh, as far as the the separate me is concerned. Yeah. Uh, I would suggest that, you know, traditional teachers to whom you allude, you know, Shankara, Ramana, Maharshi, you know, all these teachers, um, knew very well that ultimately there is no me, there is no person, and so on. But they used what they referred to as, mm. you know, a thorn to remove a thorn. Mm. Th- that, you know, they kind of met the so-called seeker or the apparent seeker on his own ground and then offered him something which ultimately might be absurd or meaningless or, or useless in the final mm. analysis, but which, from where the seeker stood, uh, had some utility in bringing him to a greater readiness to mm. drop, drop into the realization <clears throat> you, you've been describing. Okay, so as far as I'm concerned, that, is, that's, that sort of 
way or method or teaching or mm. helping of somebody simply goes on reinforcing the sense of separation and there's nothing that can be done about creating a readiness in the me that's separate in order for liberation to happen. It's, well, it's, you do say, though, in, in your book, let me see if I can find the passage. I, I wrote it down here someplace. Um, well, I can't find where I wrote it down. But Oh, here it is. You said, <clears throat> there is only so much oneness that a body can stand, and then it needs to go back into contraction until the time comes when that can be totally accepted by the body. It's a very energetic thing. Mm. And as I understand them, uh, spiritual practices, at least effective ones, maybe some of them do exactly what you're saying, they totally reinforce the sense of a me, but effective ones actually just culture the sort of capacity of the body to stand, to u- use your word, oneness, to sustain that, <clears throat> that, s- that state. Okay, so the implication there is that there is someone or something that can choose to take on those exercises in order to prepare the, prepare the body mm-hmm. for liberation. Or, and that, that's again, you're back into the dualistic idea that there is someone with free will and choice to take action to bring something about. And that is what the open secret is um, exploring and um, revealing as illusory. It but still it, keeps the idea that there is something that will happen one day when I'm ready or when this body is ready. The, uh, the reality is that actually that preparation can seem to happen, but there's no one that can bring it about. That's fair enough. Um, preparation can seem to happen, but it's not that a person is in there like a little puppeteer, you know, making it happen. But, uh, but uh, by the same token, that is not to say that the preparation, if we're referring to spiritual practices, uh, don't have any influence. Um, well, they don't have any influence because there is nothing to influence. Any, any boundless energy doesn't need any influence for it to be to arise as something separate or wholeness. There's nothing. The boundless energy doesn't need anything for liberation to apparently occur. And incidentally, boundless energy or wholeness has no interest in anybody becoming liberated because seeking and separation is the absolute expression of wholeness. As is everything, wouldn't you say? Yeah, absolutely. There is only wholeness. So there isn't anything trying to get something liberated. There's no need because everything is perfect as it is. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Coincidentally, I happened to be listening to a quantum physicist this morning for a little mm. bit, and he was saying how, you know, from the perspective of quantum physics, every there are no electrons or particles or universe or anything else. It's all just sort <coughs> of, um, you know, unmanifest potential. And yes. then that appears to kind of bubble up into all the forms and shapes and phenomena and laws of nature and so on that we yeah. see. But, but that you know that understanding doesn't absolve the quantum physicists of from the laws of, New, of Newtonian physics. He can't go up on the top of a building and jump off. And because he understands that all this is just ephemeral potentialities, he's not going to go splat on the sidewalk. Um, so you're suggesting that people have responsibility. Uh, that would be. Accrued. I don't mean to. I'm not impugning you the way you said it, but there are no people who have responsibility. I'm with you on that. (laughs) But I'm suggesting that. Well, let me take another example. Um, Hold on a minute. Okay. Okay. Who would choose to throw themselves off the roof? Well, nobody in their right mind. (laughs) But nobody at all. The whole idea of free will has already been exposed as. Uh, um, an illusion by neuroscientists and biologists. Mm-hmm. All of that uh, study in the last few years has established that there is no such thing as an individual with free will and choice. So what the open secret I- is suggesting actually is that all there is is what apparently happens. There is no one that it's happening to. There is only life happening for no one. And I can't disagree with that. Um, but I keep coming back to this sort of paradoxical way of looking at things where, uh, you know, the, in, in Sanskrit, there's this word called um, mithya, and it means apparent reality or dependent reality. And the example is used of a pot where you have a pot it's made of clay. You can put beans in it or water or whatever. But it's really, there is no pot. It's only clay. Right. 
Yeah, know? absolutely. Everything is apparent. Yeah, so we have this but apparent but universe. But the, but the dilemma for the seeker is mm. that the seeker lives in only a fixed real world. The seeker in that dream story can only see the world as real. There's mm. no possibility of seeing that actually the whole world, the whole manifestation and, and itself is, is real and unreal. In other words, it's only apparent. So this isn't pointing at something that might be seen to be wrong, like what, dualism and so on. There is no dualism. There is no non-dualism. There is only what is. Mm -hmm. So the whole idea that there's something that needs changing is within only the story of the seeker. And that's what's exposed as illusory in the open secret message. Right. And when the person, excuse me for saying the person, but when, you know, oh, let, yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's say people who are coming to your meetings, um, you know, Apparently. something something may click at some point, and the the seeker drops away, the search drops away, <coughs> and all they're left with is this, Nothing. that which is, or you yeah. know, h they're whatever. not. But hold on, right, right, they aren't left with it. Correct. There's no one left with it. That's they all that's left. What is. Yes. It's very. You have to be very careful the way you phrase this stuff. <laughs> um, I would, uh, you know, just to beleaguer the point a little bit. Let's take an experiment. You, t you take two hundred apparent people. Uh, I used this several interviews ago, so apologies to those who heard me use it before. And it, we're going to set up a control group. The control group is going to take methamphetamines for 10 years and the, uh, the, the other group, the experimental group, is going to, let's say, engage in spiritual practices. Now, at the end of 10 years, half of the control group is dead or they've lost their teeth and they've aged 30, <laughs> 30 years or whatever. And in the experimental group or the people doing spiritual practices, I would, from my observation of the whole field of you know, so-called spirituality out there, a good number of them may actually have had the sort of realization that you talk about. Somehow... No, but none of them will have had it. None that. of them will have had it. Because nobody has it. But, uh, correct. But uh, let's say all those hundred people came to one of your meetings and started talking to you about, you know, you started talking to them, mutual discussion. Mm. You, you might very likely discover that the sort of realization that, that people who come to your meetings sometimes have, like Richard Sylvester or various other people, had occurred to a significant percentage of those apparent entities sitting in the room. You know, it's, a nice, it's a lovely idea. Yeah. It's a lovely idea. But liberation happens um, despite the story you've just told, not because of it. It doesn't, you know, liberation can happen to somebody lying in the gutter having filled their bellies with beer and, drink and smoking pot or whatever. Because liberation has nothing to do with the person or what they're doing. The person in the story and what they're doing is simply uh, wholeness arising or pretending to be that energy. So the lib liberation doesn't happen to a person and doesn't happen to uh, a person because of something they're doing or they're not doing. It happens despite that. It doesn't happen to a person. Liberation doesn't happen to a person. No, I understand that. When the person that. falls away, there is that which is liberated already. Yep. That's beautifully put, and uh, no disagreement with that. Um, the word "despite" has the connotation that that you know s people who do spiritual, so-called spiritual practices, might actually be impeding. Oh, no question about it. You think, huh? Of course, because what they're doing is reinforcing the sense of a higher self who is trying to attain um, a another level of spirituality. And all, of the, all that does is to reinforce the sense that something has been lost or there's something that can be attained. All of that maintains the, the wheel of seeking. Yeah, that's all it does. Well, it may Just do that, but, but I mean, practically, realistically speaking, from observing the field of this, uh, it, there does seem to be a higher incidence of so-called realization. How do you know that? Just in many, many friends, talking to people, um, you know, it... it, it I mean, sure, there, if you take a bell curve, you're going to find on the, <clears> on the fringes of the bell curve people in the gutter, you know, um, realization happening to them. Uh, but the likelihood, the probability seem, seems to improve with certain types of, you know. Okay, so I've heard various 
apparent people describing their realization, mm -hmm. and it has no connection with the sort of liberation I'm talking about because it's a personalized apparent realization. They, they, they describe what I call personal enlightenment or personal mm -hmm. liberation, and as far as the open secret is concerned, those are passing states. <coughs> let's, let's go a little further with this. Sure. When, when the me collapses, when the, the energy, the contracted energy of me melts back into the boundless, what has apparently happened can't be described because it is unknowing. Right. There isn't something left that knows consciousness. There isn't something left that knows its true nature. There isn't something left that lives in absolute love. There isn't anything left that could be described by anyone. And if there if there were, it would have to be it would be a matter of squeezing the ocean into a drop. I mean, how yeah. can yeah? And so, I mean, would it be correct to phrase it that um, that which is left kind of knows itself? But no, it's not, not at all. Okay. No, after, you, how, after liberation, there is nothing left that knows anything. Knowing is part no of no isolated thought. entity of any sort. That no, none at all. All no, that's okay. left is what is as it is. Yeah. Well, there there are verses like that in traditional scriptures, like the Gita. Well, that the, the self self knows itself by itself. It's not the individual no, knows anything. But no, okay. hold on, you're now saying the, the self knows itself. No, that is not liberation. Because it sets it, up a duality. Of course, it does. Right. And this message that's being uh, communicated here mm -hmm. is as old as seeking mm -hmm. uh, has ever been. If you pretend that there's a history of seeking, it simply is that it's always been hidden. It's not known. Right. It's a hidden message which is available when there's readiness to go beyond self-seeking. But the final result is unknowing. Fair enough. Why do, you th why do you think it's hidden? It's hidden because it's overlaid by the teaching of endeavor or attainment. The, the, the seeker, the, me, the, the seeker in the me story, is longing to find an answer. And so the most popular um, teachings through the years, through the thousands of years of seeking, have been those, those, those teachings that seem to give an answer or provide a formula. Christianity, Buddhism, all of those things, and recently contemporary teachings are there to help somebody to find an answer. That's always going to be far more popular than something which offers absolutely nothing to the seeker. Well, that's what the open secret is. It's not only hidden to so-called seekers, it's hidden to the vast majority of humanity yeah. who aren't Absolutely. even seeking. I mean, it's a, occluded or obscured yeah. for virtually everyone. Of course. It is. Uh, yeah. yeah. And so what? Well, I don't know. Let me read another passage from your book, and, and uh, it'll take us further into this. Um, you say... It is quite common to hear so-called teachers using non-dualistic language and then directly contradicting the real meaning of non-dualism by recommending processes and practices to presumed individuals. Mm. Many, many highly revered gurus and teachers, past and present, are classified as communicators of the Advaita Vedanta tradition when in reality their teaching is dualistic. This kind of contradiction is either rooted in a deep ignorance about the nature of liberation or it comes out of a need to satisfy a personal agenda. Now, I don't know if you intended to do so, but in, in saying that, but you implicitly um, refer to you know people who are greatly respected, like Ramana Maharshi and Nisargadatta and characters like that. And do you really mean to say that they are deeply ignorant or trying to satisfy a personal agenda? I'm not necessarily saying either, but that's all, all communications that, are, that seek to help the, the person find something come out of the conviction that there is a person there who needs to be helped. So obviously there's a personal agenda there to help people. There's nothing right or wrong with that. It is simply misconceived. So how do you differ, let's say, from those teachers? Because you have meetings and people come and sit there and pay money and listen and so on and so forth. Uh, what I is differ, your? I differ uh, in not being there. Well, do you think that you are not there any more than Ramana Maharshi and the Sagadada were not I there? Wouldn't, I wouldn't even uh, attempt to compare. I'm answering the question. The difference is that the what is being um, shared 
mm-hmm. or communicated is coming out of no thing. It's, it's coming out of no person. It has no intention. It has no agenda. It is simply a description. Yeah. Well, I mean, but this isn't That's new. The difference. This is a this is an ancient wisdom that there really well, is uh, no no. Yeah, no. I mean, the Gita is full of verses about the, there being actually no doer, and and you know, the mistakenly ta- assuming the authorship of action. And, okay, but and so please like tell me who is it out there that's teaching that isn't trying to sell, that doesn't have something for sale. In the open secret, there is nothing for sale. There is nothing available for the seeker. The seeker, the seeker's needs are constantly starved in that setting. Where else is that happening? I think you have a unique approach as far as unless there are other people who who are going about it the way you do um, and I think it's an I, I think it's an effective approach um, to be to be frank I think it's a niche it's not something that's going to uh, appeal to everyone but you would agree with that I think absolutely <laughs> of course it won't because it never has yeah. it's always been hidden uh, it's only recently where the, when there's been a shift in the psyche of people that people are throwing away their respect for authority uh, uh, with with religious figures, with spiritual teachers, and with politicians. In the whole world, we're seeing a revolution take place because the psyche of people is attracted now or more open to that which has no authority, mm-hmm. to that which has no direction, to that which has no discipline. That's why there are more people hearing this at the moment than there were before. Mm. I think it's hard for people to understand how there's no sort of purpose or motivation, though. You know, it's right. like you go to the trouble of setting up meetings and going traveling. No, I d- no hold on. No, you don't, don't go to the trouble, it's right? What, no, it, well, it's what happens. Okay, meetings, meetings get set happen. up. No, Meet- me- well, meeting and they happen. Nobody does them. You didn't arrange this interview, and I didn't arrange to sit here. It's mm-hmm. what's happening. The problem... The problem for the for the me and the self is that it believes it's living in a in a, on a journey in time, and the other the other thing that arises for that seeker is the hope that in some way or other the life that they lead has some sort of purpose, and that's what keeps them locked in the the journey of time, looking for that purpose. What the open secret is, and other messages like that, very rare is revealing and exposing is that that whole construct keeps the seeker reinforced in the hope that one day they will reach the end of their journey. The open secret is saying there is no one to reach the end of the journey and there is no journey because what you are seeking is already all there is. Already this is it. This is what people are seeking, what is happening right now. Anybody who's listening, anybody who listens to this message, when they're listening to it, are sitting in what they long for. It never came and it never went away. Yeah. It's simple, very simple and very ordinary. They use the old analogy of fish swimming around looking for the water, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, But, as you said earlier, through some mysterious uh, mechanism, it's hidden to the vast majority of people. They're, they're, they're immersed in it. They are nothing other than that. But it's it's somehow you know occluded. Only that because they're in the journey of me, which is an artificial reality. They live in the separate reality, so they're completely convinced that that is real, and that they are real and they are in it, and they are so. Comp- completely convinced that they are in control and they can take action to make that story better. So they're locked in a prison, in an apparent prison. What the open secret is saying is there is no one and there is no prison. And never and what you seek has never been lost. It's this. Yeah. Uh, and that dr- that prison can be very convincing. And, you yeah. know, and the, the, the sort of um, perception or perspective that we are in control can be very compelling and also the attraction of having a purpose in life uh-huh. is also things. a very attractive thing yeah <clears throat> that's what people don't like about my message that it seems to have no purpose and it gives no hope and of course that's absolutely true it gives no hope but also people misinterpret this message in in, in the way that they think 
that this message is saying stop seeking. If it was saying stop seeking, it would be implying that there is such a thing as free will and choice. There isn't anybody that can stop seeking. Me, the story, and seeking are all one energy. I got that feeling a lot when reading and listening to your stuff um, that there is a lot of misinterpretation because you're saying it in a way that is easily misconstrued, you know, if you don't kind of tune into mm. what is actually being said. Mm. And, um, you know, it can get people rather incensed. Oh, very, very. <laughs> I mean, the other thing that, that, that other people try to say, especially teachers, is what well, Tony Parsons is saying, <coughs> that all you have to look for is there being no one. Well, that, that again, is just a misinterpretation of this message. Because yeah. essentially, this message is simply pointing to the reality that all there is, is what is. Here's a way you phrased it at one point that I thought was rather nice. You said, when absolute clarity is heard by absolute clarity, which is overlaid by confusion, the absolute clarity can take over, confusion can drop away. Mm. Kind of like that. Um, yeah, it's true. But the, the other thing I have to say is mm -hmm. that absolute clarity is not liberation. Essentially, the whole separate experience is not a big belief, it's not a thought, it's not an idea. It's an embodied energy. The whole body grows up and takes on a sense of separation. So essentially, liberation is an energetic shift. It's not a shift in the mind or anything to do with understanding. Mm. So, so clarity is not liberation. And you, you referred er earlier to neurophysiologists and so on, you know, and their take on free will. And, and um, would you acknowledge that uh, this clarity or, or liberation or whatever we're, we're talking about also has a, a physiological component that there's a, there's an energetic shift and then there's also a sort of a, a neurological counterpart to that which enables it to occur. Does that, yes, does certainly, that, does that make sense? Uh, yes, certainly, because the brain is 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 the machine that constructs the artificial me, and when that artificial me falls away, then obviously there's some sort of shift energetically in the brain and in the body. There must be, yeah. P perhaps even measurable for all we know. I have no idea. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see here. Um, you commented a couple of times about, uh, well, here's, here's one that I like. Let's go for this one for a second. Um, such idealistic communications often go hand in hand with a relentless reiteration of the idea that separation is fine because there is only ever oneness. This is like telling a blind person that blindness is fine because all there is is seeing. <laughs> of, course, of course there's only oneness, but apparently, but what apparently arises in oneness is a deep sense of separation, which doesn't feel fine. Absolutely. I, I really like that. Yeah, yeah. And that's what drives people on to try and resolve that feeling of, of longing or frustration. Mm -hmm. The difficulty is they're trying to find an answer for something that has no answer. Life is the answer. There isn't an answer to, to, you know, to find fulfillment because when it, the thing that drives the need for fulfillment is the separate me and the separate reality. Mm-hmm. But and you know, I must. No, oh, go ahead. There's I'm nothing sorry. wrong with that separate reality. It is wholeness pretending to be in a separate reality. Yeah, I heard you say in one of your things that uh, it's almost like wholeness is playing a game where it, yes, it's it like hide, hide and seek, you know, yes. where it kind of loses itself so it can find itself. Absolutely. <laughs> I wonder if we can um, attribute any sort of uh, higher purpose or motivation to that. Um, Not you know, at all, no. I didn't think you'd say the there secret was is concerned. <laughs> there's no such thing as a higher purpose. Huh. There's no purpose. There's no higher. There's no lower. There is only what is. So, so the whole notion that's popular in some circles of there being some kind of evolutionary uh, drive behind the, the the whole manifestation of the universe and its unfoldment and the the, the greater and greater complexity of yeah, forms and phenomena. He's, <laughs> for, from your vision, that's that's. It's just part of the, of the dream story. All of that is part of the dream story. And can there be, a, I suppose you could say there are dream reasons for it, just as there are dream laws of nature and, you know, uh, dream well, gravity and re dream photosynthesis and so on. But, but Yeah, but it's only that, that, that need for there to be a reason is only another part of separation. 
There is no reason for anything. You know, energy, wholeness, is absolutely wild. It's completely wild and immeasurable. It doesn't need any reason to be. It just is. <laughs> yeah. It certainly it's, doesn't. It's, us, it's the seeker that wants a reason and wants the answer to everything and the purpose. Hmm. And can't bear the idea that things, it's as simple and ordinary as simply the isness of what is. Huh. Yeah, I suppose, you know, reason by its very definition is a human thing. I mean, yeah. you know, we, uh, the, the tree doesn't need a reason and the, no. the, the sun Nothing. doesn't need a reason. It's, no. it's just sort of... Only me. <laughs> <laughs> me needs a reason. Huh. <laughs> One thing I picked up on in an interview that I read that you did with some fellow in Holland um, is that you seem to be making a distinction between uh, mere understanding awakening and liberation yes and that's interesting because there's a tibetan saying that i've harped on many times in these interviews which is that it says don't mistake understanding for realization mm. don't mistake realization for liberation no i wonder if you could comment on that whole yes, play. absolutely <clears throat> understanding is really quite a superficial part of all of this of course mm -hmm. it's only something that happens to the me in the story understanding uh, awakening is an actual apparent event and a lot of people seem to have had an awakening I did or, t or at least Tony Parsons that was there seemed to have an awakening but the awakening didn't happen to Tony Parsons Tony Parsons the seeker was walking along and then there was nothing there was no Tony Parsons no experience of nothing just nothing and everything without any uh, separation just wholeness absolute unconditional love indescribable and then Tony Parsons walked out of the other side and now thought what seemed to have happened although it, he wasn't there at the time so, so that's it came, it came and went you mean yeah it you... comes and goes and so there are many many people that come to our meetings who are in what I call a state of awakening which is like a limbo between two realities one is the reality of the seeker and the other one is the liberated reality or what I call the natural reality mm -hmm. and in some way or other um, there seems to be a dance between being and being that can go on for the rest of that life but often it is mistaken for and you prefer to your people will prefer to it's mistaken for enlightenment so people have an in awakening experience believe they are enlightened and believe they are enlightened because before the awakening event they meditated so they then go round very sincerely trying to help other people have the same experience as they have and that goes on reinforcing the myth um, let's probe into this a little bit more so would you say that realization as you've just referred to it uh, is characterized by intermittency it comes and goes and it's yes. also it's also characterized by there still being a sense of me who had this realization whereas yeah, I, whereas liberation is not intermittent nor is there a me no that's true but except i don't like the word realization okay because realization doesn't come into this realization implies some sort of clearer seeing mm -hmm. uh, uh, after the, uh, the the satori or the glimpse of wholeness there is still the, the contracted sense of me but they're now diminished there isn't something that rea has realized something there just is an energetic softening of the me and then eventually possibly or not always <laughs> eventually that that energy of me simply collapses and there's nothing left so in your own case when, when you were walking across the park and you had that whatever you want to call it um, <laughs> the glimpse yeah. the glimpse the, 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 the glimpse and yeah. and then later on I don't know how long, how much later was it years months yeah some, yeah years uh, I think you said you woke up in the middle of the night and went down the stairs and somehow everything had yeah <laughs> collapsed uh, yeah me had died the apparent illusion of there being me mm -hmm. and the story which supported that simply collapsed there was nothing left and that energy that apparent energy melted into the so what was going on in the interim period between that experience in the park? Oh, seeking. seeking. Practices and on. teachers yeah, and... But not very strenuous. I was never a very strenuous seeker because mm -hmm. already somewhere there was a sense that, that what I was looking for was beyond me and beyond effort and beyond attainment. Uh -huh. So I've never been a, 
an ardent meditator or <laughs> any of those things. You did spend a few years with Osho, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, that was great. That was, was that pr- uh, pr- Oh, yes, of course. That was, was pre-Walk in the Park? Uh, no, that was after Walk in the Park, but okay. obviously pre-Liberation, because after Liberation, who would go and need to see anyone? But right. it was great, gorgeous, great huh. fun. I wonder if that experience with Osho somehow no. helped, helped form your... No, uh, no, no you, that's not what I was going to say. I was going to say, did it help form your opinion of gurus and teachers? <laughs> well, yes, it supports, the, uh, supports what I see as a very sincere... Uh, wish to help people, which, mm-hmm. as far as I'm concerned, still maintains the the dream, the artificial dream. Hmm. Okay, um, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, I've heard you say in a number of places um, that there is no God, but then I also keep hearing you use the terms beloved, the divine, the lover. Mm-hmm. So could you please explain that um, contradiction? Yeah, no, as far as I'm concerned, there is no greater authority. There is only boundless energy. There's nothing directing boundless energy. There just is boundless energy, and it is all and everything. It's nothing appearing as everything. So there is no greater authority, greater authority running or directing that, because there is nothing to direct, because that energy is completely purposeless and impersonal uh, but the word beloved comes after me being quite sexy in <laughs> being attracted to sexy words like the beloved divine I don't use so much these days because I have to say that in the 10 year or 11 years I've been doing this my language has honed down mm-hmm. so there are some things that I used to say that I would never use now awareness the divine and any of those things to imply that they are states of liberation Okay, well, I won't hold you to old words that you don't use. <laughs> um, let me probe a bit more, though. Um, I mean, you, you, you do use the word frequently now, boundless energy. Yeah. And uh, it, it, traditionally, uh, you know, there's that term sat chit and it, it implies not only energy but intelligence and, yes. con- and consciousness and certain, certain other ways of ah. sort of referring yeah. to that energy. Um, and if, you, if we look at anything in our universe, the, the, the functioning of a single cell, it yes. seems there's a, a vast intelligence kind of yes, orchestrating. In- no. Well, there's an intelligence in everything. Everything has that intelligence within it. Mm-hmm. But there isn't any other intelligence that's actually directing that. It's simply what's happening. And, and within that happening, there seems to be intelligence. Sure. Uh, uh, the other thing is you use the word consciousness. Mm-hmm. I don't never know what people quite mean by consciousness. Mm-hmm. What I gather they mean is awareness or knowing. So that consciousness, knowing or awareness, only arises in the dream story of separation. Yeah. I think it's a word that has a lot of connotations, you know, mm-hmm. so you have to be careful how you're using it. For, um, for there to be awareness, there has to be something separate that it can be aware of. True. Um, sometimes the the word pure consciousness is used, meaning consciousness in and of itself without anything mm-hmm. that it is aware of, you know, just yeah. psh, well, like an ocean yeah. of consciousness or something. Yeah, well, that's all there is. Yeah, yeah. Um, there's a there's an ancient saying, uh, I think it was Shankara who, who first popularized this, that the world is an illusion, Brahman alone is real, the world is Brahman. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah! <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. That's the beginning and end of it. That is the beginning and end of it. Excuse me. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so granted, I mean, no God up in the sky, big old guy with a beard pulling strings. Uh, but, you know, this boundless energy has the quality, apparently, of intelligence, and it's all pervasive, just uh, that alone is orchestrating everything. No, um, well, no, it's not. No, okay. It is everything. It's it is everything. everything, correct. Yeah. If and it was orchestrating, there'd be something separate from it, which is going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um, there, there would be something separate from it that is well, that it is manipulating sure, or something. Absolutely. Yeah. Back to those three three phrases by Shankara. You know, the world is Brahman. There is nothing other than that. And and of course, there are many of what they call Mahavakis. You know, that yeah, that, yeah. that alone is and mm. sayings like that. Lovely words. Yeah, but there's a reality that they point to. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay, let's see what we're doing here. Um, 
Here's a a question somebody sent in, and um, I I promised I'd answer, I'd pose it to you. Uh, If there is still the sense of self, how can you say that there is suffering but no sufferer? Ultimately, I can understand the emptiness of every phenomenon, but relatively, I still experience myself as the feeler of my feelings. Okay, so that, that's spoken from the dreams, the dream story. Mm-hmm. In other words, there is this, or you could call it a self, an I, or a me, is still there. And when suffering apparently happens, it seems to happen to the me. Uh, after that whole illusion collapses, there's just suffering. Okay. Apparently. So let's say um, <laughs> there's some suffering. Let's say um, the appearance to- of suffering. Tony Parsons has a, a wound on the leg. Right. Uh, now it seems like there's some localization of that experience that the table isn't suffering. Your your lamp isn't suffering. Somehow the the Tony Parsons there's some uh, or, or if there's three people in the room and you're the one with the wound on the leg, they're not. You know what I mean? They're not yeah. experiencing. No. There's there's some That's kind of uh, ownership uh, in a sense. No, there uh, isn't an ownership, but you could say there are 7.2 billion realities. Mm-hmm. So everything, every apparent person that is walking around is living in a reality that is unique. And so if they, if, if this leg hurts, then previously to liberation, it would be. Uh, an experience that the me is having after liberation, there is just pain. Mm-hmm. The, the leg is hurt. So what? It's what it is. And putting a bandage on it is also what it is. And yeah. not and not putting a bandage on it is also what it is. I understand. Um, there is nothing that that runs this. There's nothing that controls this. There's nothing that can choose one thing or another. All there is is what's happening. <clears throat> would you say that boundless energy runs it, to use your phrase? Well, no, I would say there's only boundless energy, and it doesn't run anything. Hmm. Boundless energy is the same word as wholeness, oneness, nothing and everything. It yeah, but, s- but sometimes you say things like, I hear you say things like, oneness walling or oneness chairing. Yeah, <laughs> you know, right. And in fact, someone even said that you once said that oneness gassed the Jews. I don't know if you said that, <laughs> but I'm sure that got a rise out of people. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everything that we are, well, everything that is happening is simply the expression of oneness, wholeness, or boundless energy. It all is. The table is boundless energy appearing as a table. The whole thing is an appearance. It's both real and unreal. And that's the end. It's beautiful. I mean, when you answer a question the way you just did it, it kind of brings me right back into an appreciation of the bigger Mm. picture of it, you know, Mm. because there's such a a tendency to kind of gravitate back into the individual perspective, and and you kind of keep bringing it back. (laughs) (laughs) That's what happens in the meetings. The, 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 the seeker comes with the idea of getting something, and it's possible that they will walk out and reject what's on offer, but it's also possible for the seeker who comes to get something that they will go away with absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. And, and so the constant message that is, is really being um, expressed in the meetings continuously starves the seeker's needs and continuously only points to what is. Mm. So there's there's a sort of nullifying of the mind. There's a nullifying of the idea of something to get, and the, and the seeker's sort of left with nothing. That's that's yeah. so beautiful. It's the kind of the way chemotherapy works on a tumor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the killer. I sometimes say to people in the room, "There's a killer. It's not me. It's not my message. It's nobody's message." Mm. In, uh, in Amsterdam, I'm known as the, the Terminator. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> <clears throat> um, here's a few more questions, if you don't mind, uh, mm. from a, a friend of mine named Don, who lent me your book, All That Is, just lives down the street from me, and I think he may have actually gone over to England and met you and been to some of your meetings. But okay. <clears throat> he's, he took a very keen interest in the fact that I was going to do this interview. Um, so here's one. When someone calls your name, 
does this mean that there is no personal aspect, no past history, or what the Buddhists call conditioning? How does Tony talk about this? Oh, it simply is a response to somebody calling my n this name. Mm -hmm. It's a response to a, a question. Tony, or you know, just calling my name, there would be a response, but the response comes out of nothing. Everything comes out of nothing. Mm -hmm. all, all thought, all feelings, all responses to stimuli simply come out of nothing because, of course, nothing is the source of everything. <coughs> nothing is the boundless energy. Mm -hmm. Good. Here's another one. There is no embarrassment. Embarrassment happens, apparently you said. But Tony may be embarrassed, and uh, isn't that a personal preference from no, past, no, from past habits? Okay, Tony isn't embarrassed, right? No, there is no Tony. Right. So, but even though there's no Tony, and I think what this question is getting at, isn't there some kind of conditioning of the body-mind mechanism which causes certain responses or reactions? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. Of course there is. The, the brain takes on trauma and conditions itself to deal with what it sees as a separate world and, and, that, and the child grows up with that conditioning uh, and that, that runs on uh, when liberation happens the brain still retains some of that conditioning and, and rolls on after liberation with that conditioned response but because there is no longer a me that's taking delivery of that conditioning it simply falls away and that conditioning rolling on simply slows down to nothing it's the same as thought the thought process arises for the me and the me takes delivery of the thought process and gives it energy and tries to deal with it in some way or other so there's a feedback circle happening mm. after liberation thoughts arise but fall away because there's no one listening Huh. So they have less uh, gravity, less sort of uh, grip. Oh, everything falls in that sense. There's nothing any longer that has any significance. That mm. is what freedom is about. The freedom is that there's nothing that has any significance. There's nothing that is special and important to follow or that has purpose. All and everything is simply what it is. The joy of this is that it's an in loveness with what is. No one's in love with what is. There's just is an in loveness with what is. Sitting on a chair, the carpet. This thing here falls in love with carpets and bus stops. <laughs> really, it's like that because all of that is the expression of wholeness. It's just the divine wholeness. Oh, I've used the word divine. There we are. Uh-oh. Uh, we'll, we'll edit that out. Yeah, yeah, edit it out. You'll have to. Otherwise, it's the bleep wholeness. <laughs> uh, good one. Um, okay, let's see. You've already answered this question. Uh, eh, you've already answered that question. Here's one. Sounds like Tony has pretty firm convictions. These are the truth. Is there well, some? Is there some knowing that the average person? doesn't have well, that, that, so that gives you the okay it's that's so his question <laughs> so when liberation happens there's absolute poverty there is nothing left mm -hmm. there is no knowing there is nothing that knows anything there is only as I said before an unknowing so there is no possibility of having anything even convictions this message is coming out of nothing it's a response out of nothing it sounds very passionate and very um, clear but that doesn't mean that it comes out of conviction. Conviction is belief, and belief is married to doubt. This comes out of nothing. Hmm. And so the appearance of conviction... Mm. And knowing. And knowing, and certainty, and, you know... Um, would be, the, would be read by the me. And perhaps that's just the, the, the way that the Tony mechanism is wired, you know, another, another mechanism having had the same... Um, Liberation or same realization may be quite ambivalent about things or something because that's yeah, the way that one's wired. And the physiology is wired that way. But going back to the question, essentially the me thinks that it is something. It, it lives in the world of being something that's separate. Mm -hmm. So it sees everything else, including what it thinks is Tony Parsons, as another me. So it then presumes that the other me could have convictions or beliefs or whatever. It doesn't see, uh, there's no possibility that it sees that the other body called Tony Parsons is simply real and unreal. Mm -hmm. It's nothing appearing as this. So yeah. it applies to Tony Parsons all its own attributes or what it thinks the, the other person, the person Tony Parsons has. 
One thing that I might throw in as a note of caution, perhaps you might want to comment on it, is I, I interviewed a guy about a month ago who said that someone called him up and, and told him that he wanted to have an affair, wanted to cheat on his wife, but he wanted kind of reassurance that there really was no one doing that uh, so, that, <laughs> so that he could kind of just do it with a clear conscience. <laughs> but who wants the reassurance? Yeah, There's right. <laughs> This isn't a, a license to do anything because some people say, oh, what you're now saying is there's nothing I can do, so I could go out and raid a bank. Right. Which is a complete contradiction. Many people say Tony Pass is saying there's nothing you can do. That's, those words have never passed my lips. Hmm. It's yeah. far worse. This message is far worse than that. It's saying there is no you. Huh. There's a verse from the Gita which is that let the wise. Let not the wise man create a division in the minds of the ignorant who are attached to action. Established in being, he should direct them to perform all actions, duly engaging them in them himself. And that's a prescription. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose. You won't I mean, find any prescriptions in the open secret. Huh. There's nothing is prescribed, only described. Hmm. That's an interesting uh, distinction, yeah. There are no um, recommendations. Obviously, there aren't any because there's no recognition that there is anybody with free will and choice to take up those recommendations or prescriptions. Mm. Yeah, that description, I mean, that distinction often comes up in these interviews between description and prescription. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know if we need to dwell on it because <coughs> you've just made the point, but yeah. it's interesting to consider. Mm. Um, one thing I've heard you say that I just remembered is, you know, you, you said with quite adamant certainty <laughs> apparently <laughs> that, that um, you know there is no reincarnation because that implies the, the existence of someone to reincarnate and by the same token there is no karma because that implies the doer and a recipient of and action a story. and mm. a story but um, you know I mean can't we qualify those terms with a parent like you, there is, you, you have a wife named Claire you could say there is no Claire but you could also say there is the apparent Claire doing this apparent thing uh, yeah so but that's, that's slightly different to su suggesting that there could be apparent reincarnation because the, uh, the implication that there could be apparent uh, reincarnation is, is, is somehow establishing the idea that there definitely is a story in time where somebody is born lives and dies that is an illusion. There is nobody that is born, lives, or dies. So there's no reincarnation, and there can't be any karma. I think it's as implying that there are sort of gross and subtle levels of apparent reality, and that there's a subtle entity which doesn't die when the body dies. Oh, well, that, that's all tied to the dream story. And in the open secret uh, perception, all of that you've just described is a total illusion. Hmm. There isn't something that lives after death in that sense. There isn't anything that was alive in terms of there being an identity. There is only what is. And in that arises the dream of there being somebody. Huh. Well, I'm not going to debate the point with you because I have no, <laughs> I have no, I have no proof. Um, no, well, no, uh, do I. But I but, don't know. Right, and, and neither of us do. But, um, but, but just to state the point that my take on things, for what it's worth, is just that uh, although the, the whole creation with all of its complexity and strata and so on can be boiled down to pure energy, or as you could put it, or pure en essence or nothingness or whatever, uh, as a, a sort of illusory world, it has its own rules, its own laws, its own... Um, you know, gross yeah. and gross and subtle realities, mm -hmm. and 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 those rules and laws, even reincarnation, souls migrating from here to there, can all be taking place without con contradicting the essential truth that you mm -hmm. so eloquently state. No, not at all. I don't agree. First of all, what I speak about is not the truth. There is no truth. There is only what is. Okay. But the whole implication that any of the things you've mentioned in the gross and, and whatever you call it, reality, uh -huh. are all locked into the story, the illusory story in time. There is no time. There is nothing happening. This is no thing happening. The whole idea that of other bodies and other realities is simply a dream story. Right. There is, so, all so there is is what there is. 
So if, go, if Tony Parsons, the apparent Tony Parsons, gets up and walks into the kitchen and gets, makes a cup of tea, that's just a, a dream. It's a dream occurrence. It's, no, no. It's, no, it's, it's, what, it's, it's, no, it's what is. It's what is. All there is is what is. Walking across the room is what is. Making a cup of coffee is what is. There is no story. There's nothing happening. So by the same token... Soul uh, reincarnation is what is. It's just it's just another sort of uh, display of what is. Implies the reality of time in which the story of being reborn into another body happens. The open secret is continually um, pointing to the unreality of the idea that there's a story. It's exposing the myth that there is a story, that there is time, and there are things happening in sequence. There's no sequence. There's nothing happening. This is this. What's happening right now is nothing happening, mm-hmm. and time is nothing happening. Absolutely. Yeah. Which it's doesn't mean which doesn't mean there isn't an illusory thingy called time, but it's ultimately real and unreal. Real and unreal simultaneously. But the problem for the seeker or the person is that they believe time is real. They feel time is real. There was a story about Shankara, which I've told before, but bear, bear with me, those who have heard me tell this. But he was gone to, invited to visit some king, and the king wanted to test him. So the king let loose a, an elephant. The elephant came running towards Shankara, and Shankara scampered up a tree. And the king mm. said, aha, said, if all this is an illusion, why would you bother climbing the tree? And he said, oh, the illusory elephant chased the illusory me up yeah, the illusory yeah. tree. <laughs> it's all in the picture. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, but the word illusory only means not what it seems to be. Not what it seems to be, right. Which is pointing to the real and unreal. Mm-hmm. I'm just uh, scanning the page here to see if there's any more questions that this my friend asked. Um, you have any um, any comment on the whole free will and determinism conundrum? Only that it's illusory. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, my friend also asked, you mentioned a free fall. I've heard you use that phrase a number yeah. of times. Who is it that's falling? Nobody. Oh, in liberation, there's yeah. just free fall. There's just, there's just wildness. There's just energy. There's just what's happening. There's nobody it's happening to. So why, what's the implication of your term free fall when you've used it? Well, it implies that there is no such reality as cause and effect, free will and choice, or a journey with purpose. Okay. Um, now... Can you tell me the year that this walk in the park thing happened? <laughs> just, just out of curiosity. Uh, I can't tell you the year, but I roughly, was young, I was about twenty-one years old. Okay, now you're in your sixties or something. Uh, I could be much older than that. Could be. Okay, so it was many years ago, fifty years ago or yes, something. Yes. Yes. And um, and you know, after that, then there was the liberation thing sometime later, and then I don't know when, when you got married, but you had kids and lived a, an apparently normal life on the surface of things. Um, did did this realization that had occurred um, have any impact or uh, influence on your mundane, so-called mundane life as a father? Uh, you know, in terms of your, no. re- re- I mean, were your kids just as crazy and rebellious as kids tend to be? And you know, did you get just Absolutely. as frustrated as <laughs> parents tend to do? In the story, yes, because I, in the story, I thought I was a person who was a father uh-huh. when liberation. Occurred, not realization. When liberation occurred and Tony Parsons was no more and never had been, then all the roles that, that, that Tony Parsons adopted in order to try and deal with the world simply collapsed. And there's no father, there's no. No history. kids. There's right. no history, yeah. There and, only is what is. Would um, objective observers such as your wife um, have noticed a, a shift in? the way you interacted with your kids and vice versa? Well, altogether, yes, of course, because all the games that people play in the dream world simply collapse, so there aren't any games being played anymore. So somehow you became, you know, I'm still still using the word you with our our original agreement, (laughs) 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 Um, uh, somehow became more... um, no, Sim- I didn't. Simple, direct, no, honest. No, less no, 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 no. Okay, well, what do you mean about no games then? So the eye collapses. There is yeah. no longer anyone that becomes more this or more that. Mm-hmm. 
all that's left is life happening. There isn't anybody in that life. So there isn't something that changes and comes, becomes slightly more relaxed or more open because there isn't anything left. There is only life. No, I understand that, but what I'm asking is uh, with that realization that there is only life, um, oh. what, um, what changed in your behavior? Oh, nothing excuse changed. Excuse the word your, in the behavior of my dad, Tony, as, as observed by his kids. I mean, was, whoa, what happened to dad? He's like a different guy, you know? <laughs> no, not in that dramatic way, no. Uh-huh, Okay. So there wasn't any major sort of your friends and family wouldn't have noticed that anything had happened unless not, you unless you kind of not in a particularly dramatic way. No, okay. This is about something that's totally simple and ordinary. Mm-hmm. I think the problem the seekers have is that they have an idea or a picture of what they think enlightenment is. I know I did when I was a seeker. I when I thought I was going to become enlightened, I thought I was going to be surrounded by gorgeous blondes, <laughs> have three eyes. You know, be loved by everybody and live in bliss. That's a complete dream. Of the I, can th- I can think of a few uh, gurus who uh, actually... <laughs> <laughs> so that, that whole thing collapses and what's left is totally ordinary and simple. Mm-hmm. But it's immeasurably different to what was there before. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful and that's a, I think that's a good ending point. Yeah, it's lovely. Thank you. Yeah. Very Thank you, Tony. Um, I've, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Don't hang up on me just yet because I want to make some concluding remarks. But um, okay. um, I've, you know, found uh, all this sort of study and preparation and the interview itself to be really uh, a joy and very, very edifying. And um, and I, I think I've gained a lot from it, even though there is no I to have gained anything, <laughs> which proves that I gained a lot. But wait a minute. <laughs> Yeah. So, to those listening or watching, um, you've been listening to or watching a, an interview with Tony Parsons, who lives in the UK. He has a website which I'll be linking to from batgap.com, and um, he gives retreats or talks or residentials or whatever they're called um, over in Europe and occasionally in the US. And you can find all about that on his website. Um, thanks to my our mutual friend Shannon, who's an old friend of mine. I've known him since 1970, and uh, he helped to organize this. Um, those of you who are listening to this on YouTube or something, if you subscribe in YouTube, you'll be notified when new interviews are posted. If if you go to batgap.com, B-A-T-J-P, and subscribe there, you'll get an email when new interviews are posted. You can also sign up for a podcast to listen to this while you're riding your bicycle or whatever. And there's a discussion group there. So, you know, two interviews ago, the the interview uh, elicited 500 posts, and it got it became a very lively discussion. So perhaps this one will as well. Uh, <laughs> so you're welcome to participate in that if you wish. So thank you for listening uh, or watching. Thank you, Tony, and thank we you. will see you next time. The next interview coming up is Mariana Coplin. Okay. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Rick.